Thank you so much for doing this, man. Uh, no problem. Uh, I'm Eddie. Nice to meet you. Yeah, nice to meet you too, man. Yeah, it's kind of funny. This is kind of my first time doing a podcast. It's like all the way out of my circle. Yeah, so I actually, we're actually linked through uh, Joel Cohen. I think as with that, I saw something with it was uh, Kentucky related or something like that. I was like, yep. Yeah. I, so, I thought that was likely. Yeah. I, I live, I live in Tennessee, but uh, I go up to Kentucky to do all my strongman stuff. Cause there's like, there's not a whole lot going on in, in middle Tennessee where I'm at. Gotcha. Yeah. So CrossFit um, country. you said what? CrossFit country Cookville. Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, it's insane. Which I'm, I'm surprised that like Kale Beck moved down here. Um, you know, the guy who runs starting strong, man. I don't know what it is about Cookville. I've never even been there. I don't know anything about that place. It's, they got something going. It's, it's unreal. Well, at this point, it's just a great, they've just got a great system in place and they attract athletes at this point. Yeah. That's insane too. Because like, I, I, you wouldn't think some, I like Cookville isn't really known for anything that I know of. So to just pick a, like a hole in the wall city and like, all right, this is where we're going to do all of our CrossFit now, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, so what happened was, so Rich Froning, are you familiar with him? Yes. He's kind of like, yeah. So, so Rich Froning um, started competing in CrossFit while as a strength conditioning coach for Tennessee Tech, I believe, which is in Cookville. Okay. And it kind of branched from there. So he had kind of established, you know, it's where, it's also where he grew up anyway. So it's just kind of lucky. Like he just kind of just, that's where he happened to grow up. But like I said, he was a strength conditioning coach for Tennessee Tech. Um, had an assistant coach at one point that was also a big CrossFit competitor. And then as his legend and lore grew, he kind of created, you know, all the systems with mayhem, yeah, with more coaching and online programs and um, for competitors and for, you know, for the gin pop athletes alike. So like I said, he just created this awesome system and he was in the right place at the right time. And the, the other thing about Cookville is there's nothing to compete for people's attention. So um, <laughs> yeah. it's a little, little, little easier just to hang out with your boys and train all day. Yeah. So he's, he's sort of like the Louis Simmons of CrossFit, if you will. A little, little bit, a little bit, not less on the programming side, but on like the more like the West side. Yeah. Side. Like, like bringing everybody to one. It, 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 it attracts people. Right. Yes. Um, so um, I only know a few things about you so far, honestly, uh, this probably would have been one of the episodes where I should have like asked for topics, but that's neither here nor there. I'm never, I'm not really a uh, preparation. I'm kind of a fly by the seat of my pants kind of guy. Um, so I know you are an adaptive athlete and a world record holder in Highland games. Is that correct? Yes, sir. Dead okay. On. So first we'll go into your adaptive athlete. Um, you have um, a prosthetic leg, correct? Correct. I am a, uh, I'm a B, I'm a below the knee amputee on my left side. Okay. So, so I still have my knee. Okay. Um, so if you don't mind me asking, I'm sure you've asked this a lot, but how, what happened there? Okay. So yeah, th this is the story that everybody wants to hear, right? Um, okay. <laughs> I don't yeah, want so that was, to be the main focus. However, oh, no, 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 you're good, man. Like, yeah, no, I know. I, I get it. It's, I get it. It's interesting. No. So, um, so I was in, in the Air Force. I was training in a, in a career field called combat control um, in training in Biloxi, Mississippi, went down on a like fell on a run, hit a curb. Um, one of those ones where it hits the outside of your foot and my heel touched my ankle. 
so pretty nasty in terms of like the, just the flat out trauma. But it, um, in that fall, I developed a nerve condition called complex regional pain syndrome. Um, unfortunately, it's just really one of the last diagnoses you, you'll ever want. Um, it's a pretty intense nerve condition and it really only gets uh, worse. And I was one of those people that I was treatment resistant. And so for nine years, uh, the deterioration just got worse and worse and worse. And it was more and more, I, I didn't have a second out of pain for those nine years. And I eventually came to the decision that I wanted to proceed with an amputation as an opportunity to get out of pain um, and live my life. Because at that point I was, I mean, I'm on a forearm crutch to get, to get around because a cane's not enough help anymore. Um, I, I know where this story is going and I'm not okay with it. Like this was, so I uh, contacted my, my primary care physician through the VA and I requested, I said, hey, I'd like to have a surgical consult to discuss uh, an amputation of my left ankle. They weren't a big fan of that. Um, it's, you know, obviously a pretty drastic step to take, but I was out of steps at that point. You know, I had failed every, every therapy multiple times. I had worked my ass off to really learn everything I could about the condition. And it was just at the point that after nine years of that grind, like, my life had gone too far that direction and I, I couldn't stop it. So that's what I went for. I elected, uh, I elected to have an amputation and that took place August 26th of uh, 2020. Oh, so this is fairly recent. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm a very new amputee and uh, yeah, I woke up, I woke up from the surgery out of pain and uh, I haven't had nerve pain since it's been. So for me, amputation was the absolute you know best solution I, I ever could have dreamed of. So what kind of solutions were the doctors trying to offer you when you elected to do the amputation? Um, honestly, at that point, there weren't any left. Um, they just didn't want to, they just didn't want to do the amputation because what if it doesn't work? Like it, with it being a nerve condition, it can move. And I'm like, well, what if we don't? Uh, I was more invested in the cost of doing nothing than I was in the cost of losing my foot. I wasn't attached to my foot. I was, I was committed to getting out of pain. Um, and if that meant doing it without the foot, that's not a big deal. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, it's a golden age of technology and I'd rather have a hard time learning how to use a prosthetic foot than to just literally just never get out. Like, again, like I said, I had nine straight years where I didn't get a second out of pain. Um, like it didn't sleep for those nine years. It was, it was terrible. So like for me, like, yeah, amputation was a great thing and it was, um, it's changed my life for the better. That is an extremely optimistic outlook on the situation. But I mean, like from how you're putting it, I can't imagine it going any other way. Like I can't imagine being in that amount of pain for so long. And like it had to be nothing but a relief to like wake up and be like, oh, shit. Like, yeah, oh, like, most, my foot's gone, but, you know, here I am pain free. Yeah, it was crazy. Like we, we, also that was my first time. That was my first surgery ever. Um, so the. So like, I mean, I'm on all, you know, I'm out of pain on all kinds of drugs I've never touched before. Um, it's just, it's unreal. Go it's big or go home. Really? Exactly right. Yeah. My first surgery ever was nine hours long. And I just, like I said, woke up and I was like, well, this is the shit. Um, I like, yeah, I was all over the place. Like my brain didn't know what to do without that pain to, to, to process like so much real estate in my brain had gone to managing and dealing with all the pain for so long. It was so hardwired in. It was, it was the pinging around. It was uh think the step brother scene. You want to go to, you want to go do karate in the garage? Yeah. 
like that that's that's what was that's what i felt was going on in there i was so out of sorts like in, in, a, in the best possible way right so um i would imagine they explain the process to you but when you're amputating an entire uh, limb like wh- what is the process for that necessarily uh what do you mean like it they obviously they go in they put you to sleep like oh, how yeah. do they go about like disconnecting everything to make sure that they're not going to like nick an artery or you know like oh. or seal everything so off that's a little out of my lane to get all the way into but it i will say that it is a less delicate thing than a lot of people probably think it is okay um, like there's saws involved um, oh yeah you got to get through the bone c- correct so like yeah it's not always the most gentle thing on right. earth um my surgeon came in my surgeon was a plastic surgeon and had a very specific plan for all the nerves and so mine was a very organized, I've seen like this much of it, uh, on video. Um, but yeah, like you said, I mean, it's, so what they really do for a, for a transtibial amputation, which is like my, which is what I have is, so they're, they're, they've got the, they have to amputate at the level they have to amputate. So that's where like the incisional goes where the bone gets cut and separated, but they don't just cut all the way through, at least on mine, they didn't. So they cut through the front and then they cut down and much lower and they use the muscle tissue for my calf to fold over towards the front. Okay. So that's how they kind of, that's how the, your stump or your residual limb comes to be. And at that point, like I said, when I woke up, it was really one of the wildest things. It was, it was honestly God, like growing a new body part. Um, it had no, it had no sense of where anything was anymore. Did you have phantom limb sen- syndrome pretty bad? Um, I definitely did. Like everyone does, um, right off the hop, you know, I had moments, I had times where it was much harder to deal with, but I was also in the boat that it was, it was nothing compared to what I had dealt with. And it was still much better than what that was. So that kind of helped, you know, in the most effed up way, kind of blended the pain a little bit. Right. Um, like I said, I, and I'll say this over and over, I am the most fortunate human being that could have ever been put in a position to have to choose to amputate a limb. Um, the surgeon that I that I worked with was it was was able to do some some work on the nerves that not all surgeons can or all surgeons that do amputations can do, and that did a lot to minimize uh, my phantom pain issues. And I've actually had very little uh, relative to the average amputee. Okay, how long after you um, were amputated did you get fitted for your prosthetic? Um, it was about three months post op. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of stuff that has to heal in there. And I had a, I had a bone fusion done as well. Um, so like all, like, there's a lot of internal stuff that needs to heal before that's even like a safe thing to begin starting. It was, like I said, I would think I was right at three months. Okay. Um, so, um, what does, uh, what does work look like for you now? Are you, uh, are you still active duty or, um, Oh no. Um, no, my amputation, I know. So I was medically discharged about eight. 15 months after the injury. Okay. Um, so no, so I haven't been active duty in a long time. Um, the nerve condition alone was grounds for, we don't have, we can't use you anymore. Right. Um, and so I've been, I'm actually the head coach at a, at a CrossFit gym about four minutes from my house. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I, yeah, I've been coaching, uh, as a profession for like full time for a long time. Um, like I said, I'm going on about eight years at the gym that I'm at now. That's a really fortunate and, and awesome position to be able to plug yourself into a gym. That's, I, th- I feel like that's a lot of like a lot of us who are in the fitness 
world that's like our, a dream for all of us to be able to like just get into the gym and be like all right cool this is my job now mm-hmm. yeah no it's um it's not for everybody uh there, it's, it's a long time grinding to get to the point where it's actually a livable where you're going to make a livable amount of money unless you just really fall into just one hell of a situation um but yeah so a lot of people think it's just oh i get to hang out in the gym i I'll get to work out a lot man the more the more hours i coach the harder it is to find time to get a workout um so no it, it is a real job but no I, I am really fortunate that i was able to marry the necessity of income with a passion because a lot of people it just doesn't work like that it takes the joy out of it um and for a lot of people like the better route it to go is to get a job that that allows for a passion versus it to be your passion so again like i said i'll back that i'm just super fortunate that i was able to put it all together yeah, I've I've seen a lot of guys who like guys who love to work on cars. They say that they would never do that for a job because then that's that's a job, you know. Then mm-hmm. it it sucks all the fun out of it. Um, and I I sort of uh, I see your point with the the whole like coaching doesn't always work out for everybody because like at first when I first like started working out I was like oh you know what I'd love to be a coach one day and then I saw all the work that coaches do and I'm like yo I do not want to be a coach. It seems exhausting. Uh, if you oh, don't yeah. actually have the drive to like, like, obviously it, as a human being, you should care about everybody getting better, but to actually be the one to put in the work and mentally go mm-hmm. through everyone's workout with them, that takes a different sort of mental fortitude. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, again, ma- made for this. I, uh, I, I'm the second oldest of 12 kids. So I've really grown up teaching, coaching every subject, sport, skill, um, just through the process of having 10 little brothers and sisters, you know, between teaching them soccer or helping with homework or this video game, you know, whatever it is. So I've just had a lifetime of building up that capacity to, to invest in, you know, people. And like I said, because I, yeah, that, that is a really, it could be a very taxing piece of the puzzle. Yeah. So how did you, um, how did you get involved in, uh, in CrossFit where you're at now? Uh, in CrossFit in general, or like the gym I'm at now? uh both so like when did you start crossfit and then when did you come to the gym you're at now okay so i'm a i'm an early adopter on crossfit not not the earliest but i got started in february of 2010 um this is pre-rich froning um like we only seen the the thing that he's built in that time um so i was like i said i decided to join the military i was like 150 pounds soaking wet maybe. And I wanted to do a special operations job. I had to, I needed to train and my recruiters like, Hey, there's this thing called CrossFit. Uh, our guys that are doing it are doing much better than our guys that aren't. And that was all I needed to hear because I, I wanted the goal. So it wasn't, do I want to do this thing? It was, do I want to succeed in combat control? And the answer was yes. So I got into it and I, I loved it right away. I actually, I, I felt like I knew in the first like two months that I, at some point I wanted to come back and uh, after I was done with the military and coach. Um, I didn't plan on it being so soon, but uh, I knew right away that this was something I wanted to be involved in. And so like I said, so I've been involved since 20, early 2010. Um, I would say my first time I really began coaching full time was about 2014 um, in terms of like, this is a primary job, a primary focus of my, my life is coaching these classes. Um, and then I got to the gym I'm at now, I believe August, September of like, somewhere around 2015, probably. So like I said, we're, I'm going on eight years there. And uh, so like, and that's not that common. Like it's not that common to see um, drainers stay, stay put for so long. 
Okay. <clears throat> um, I've never tried CrossFit personally. It always seemed like because so, I'm I'm two seventy, so uh, uh-huh. <laughs> I always got <laughs> I always got the idea like, well, that's probably not for me. Like, I'll uh, I'll stick more to like strongman powerlifting, like where I can be just a little bit chubby. And, gotcha. uh, no, um, and hate so cardio. Gotcha. So CrossFit's so the reason why CrossFit is so pop- popular, I believe. I mean, I do, I, 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 the community is number one, like the, the community is what, like, that's what CrossFit nailed from the very beginning that nobody else was hitting in the fitness space was the community side of things and bringing people together and making it a community thing. Um, but they, they it's great for people that hate cardio because it's, it's easier to do work to me. I, I view strongman and CrossFit to be very, to be the two most similar things to each other. Um, and that like, you know, they're, you know, Strongman just uses much smaller time domains and a much and a narrower scope of implements, but um, but like CrossFit is, you know, it would be taking you know your farmer carry and lightening it up a little bit and then just moving through it a little bit slower instead of like the sprints in sixty seconds. You can really actually extrapolate. You know, it's more about the methodology at that point. You know, it's not about like what does the sport look like with you know barbells and kipping pull ups and all that. But strongman events and CrossFit actually mirror itself a lot. Uh, so much. That's why Rogue has been pushing the two together so much lately. Yeah, that's one of the things I, I did realize, like, because um, I just started competing in Strongman uh, around a year ago. And um, <clears throat> I was I've always sort of followed CrossFit, not deeply, but like I know the big name guys like, I, you know, Matt Frazier and Jeff Bridges. And uh, right. That's his name, Jeff. Josh Bridges. Is it Josh <laughs> Jeff, Bridges? Jeff, yeah. Jeff Bridges is the actor. He's the dude. Also <laughs> yes. cool. As I say, well, if he does CrossFit, I, I'm, I'm stoked to find this out. <laughs> that would be insane considering uh, he's uh, definitely past his, his physical prime. Oh, um, yeah. If there ever was one for the dude. Um, but yeah, like I always watch like Fittest on Earth and I like it is it is amazing what these guys can do. Um, and then I saw a strong man and, you know, I was like, oh, that's that's CrossFit for big guys, and that, that really is what it is. And mm-hmm. um, it was just uh, the the sim- the similarities are insane. It was very it was really nice to see. I I forget what year it was, probably like 2018. Um, they threw that event Strongman Fear in there. Yeah, that was that was the, that was one of the wilder. Like, man, we have really touched on some on the human capacity here. Because yeah, yeah, like. These are guys that can run subset that run string together sub seven some sub six miles and then they're doing these like it was crazy like not crazy heavy but like it was not light those were not lightweights right those guys well even 2017 they had the deadlift ladder um at the at i think it was 2017 out out of the Mm -hmm. the crossfit farm the ranch yeah yeah and i uh man i think it was matt frazier pulled like 600 pounds or something like something ridiculous so frazier actually had a bad event on that one that was the event that made him realize he sucked at deadlifting man who is it that i'm thinking about sam, there was sam one dancer you're thinking sam dancer okay so actually, yeah i think there was there was more than one guy that pulled that bar yeah and it was one of those things where i was like how in the hell do you run five miles and then go deadlift because i know that when i was starting to work out i ran one mile and like I was like, you know what? I can't lift right now. 
<laughs> obviously their conditioning is insane and they, they work extremely hard for that, but it's just to the recovery see. is insane. The, the recovery is what's wild. Yeah. And that's, it, and that's where I see like, it's a, a, advantageous for a strongman competitor to, to do, to do some longer domain stuff and do some of like the, the work rest stuff that you'll see a little more often in CrossFit could just kind of build that recovery, recoverability in the short term. Um, it's, I, I feel like that's super valuable for you guys. Yeah. That's one of the things that I like <clears throat> that kind of drew me to, um, Brian Alsrew when I started getting into strongman. Um, I don't know if you've watched him on YouTube at all. Uh, I, I know that I know his name pretty well. And I know he's, a, I know he's a pretty big guy with the, in the strongman community. Yeah. So he's since, um, he found out, and this is the crazy part. Um, he's one of the guy that I would actually love to see going to CrossFit. Like when he was, you know, before he stopped, uh, doing all the competing he was doing. Um, but he found out that he had a brain parasite that he got on some, um, he, he doesn't ever talk about it, but I'm pretty sure he was contracted by the CIA doing like private military stuff. Um, and Man. he got a brain parasite in Africa that was causing him to throw up like 30, 40 times a day. But he was still a dude who was going to compete in nationals at the 225 weight class for USS. And it was just insane to see him go to that level. And one of his things for programming was he was always working giant sets. Uh, and then he would give himself 90 seconds rest and then he'd be right back at it. And um, that's how he's six feet tall and stays at 225 pounds while being yep. shredded, lifting 700 plus pounds. Oh, that's um, sick. Yeah. It, so it's that sort of conditioning. Like I see what you're saying. Like where the shorter, like 90 second rest times, it's like, okay, it doesn't matter if you're ready, go do it mm -hmm. and then pull it out of yourself. Yep. You know, like, yeah, it's, yeah, no, that was a, that was a fun event. That was a fun year because all the athletes, they didn't know that they were going to the ranch and that's kind of a, an iconic place. I thought that was such a fun, like home run by CrossFit to do that event. Cause they just, they just told all the athletes like, Hey, be at the hotel lobby at 3am. You're getting on a plane. Like we're getting on a plane. They didn't know where it was too. Yeah. It was, it was pretty nuts. Yeah. I really enjoy watching athletes like that. Like elite level athletes work at that, at that kind of level. It's, it's, it's crazy to see what the human body is capable of. Um, so moving on to the second thing that I know about you, your Highland games, how did you get involved in that? Um, so I got, so actually, honestly, like a lot of people in Highland games, I got exposed to it through Matt Benson's blog. Um, you know, he was competing at the time. He's the, uh, the owner and founder of hate brand goods. Um, so he was competing at the time. He was an early, like one of the first like blogs I ever watched. So I got exposed to the sport that way. Um, but how I got started throwing was actually, I, I was in the Olympic weightlifting section at the Arnold one year. Um, I, like I said, I was familiar enough with Highland games to notice that there were some people sitting right, right next to me that had a kilt on and said Highland games. So I just asked them, I was like, Hey, what, what I was like, could you answer some questions? It seems pretty neat. And they got me linked up within an hour with somebody in my area to teach me how to throw. Um, so that was pretty, that was pretty nice, clean and easy for me. Um, I just happened to ask the, ask the question to the right person. That's pretty cool. High, so the Highland games that is one of the sports. Like, I feel like the levels goes like most people, like the majority of people can do CrossFit and, and can find a location Then you got powerlifting. Cause it's easy. You just need plates and a rack. Strongman mm -hmm. gets a little bit more, you know, 
uh, niche where like you have to find the mm-hmm. equipment. And then Highland Games, nobody ever really knows where to find that equipment. No, that no. There's there's a few people. Put it this way, it's a small enough industry that they can operate on Facebook pages um, as yeah. as their as their way of accruing and accumulating and communicating orders. Um, it's, it's, it's guys it's guys that do it because they love it. Yeah, yeah, and that's honestly. That's one of the things that makes it the most fun to watch. Like I've gone to middle Tennessee Highland games. Um, okay. I went there like one time. Uh, and then like shortly after COVID hit, I wasn't able to go again uh, for a, like, I'm, I'm hoping to go this year if it hasn't already happened. Um, no, no, the season's not even really kicked off yet. Okay. Well, good. Cause I really want to go. It's, it's mm. extremely fun to watch. And, and it is such a small community that like, it's it's very similar to strongman where like everybody knows each other and somehow some way and the events are so wild and out there and it's it's one of those things that i feel like people should respect more because it is one of the oldest sports in history that's still being practiced to this day correct yeah no it's just a really hard sport is the problem it's the learning curve early on is difficult so a lot of people wash out as a result um, in terms of like that, it just, it just gets to a point where it's like, it's not worth the effort that it's going to take to get better. Um, so like, like I said, so that, that's kind of the biggest, that's the biggest issue to growing the sport, to be honest, is that it's just, it's a difficult sport to learn, but if you're willing to stick that out, it is a great time. I mean, it's, it's fun. It's chat. Like it's, it's the cool kind of challenging. Yeah. And you get to wear a kilt. So, um, and those things it, are really it, comfortable. It, I, I don't know. I, I've never understood like why people get excited about it, but yes, it absolutely. As somebody that would never, ever have had a reason to put a kilt on. Um, I wore, I wore a kilt around the Arnold this year for a little bit <laughs> as a result. <laughs> um, yeah. My dad bought me a kilt um, for like my, I don't know, like 23rd birthday. I don't even know if it still fits me, but I wore it a couple times while I was lifting. And I was like, you know what? This is a lot more freeing than short shorts. It is. That, that that definitely is especially as you're especially as a bigger guy it's hard to find <laughs> it's hard to find shorts with the room that a kilt has oh my god it's it's ridiculous i've i've ripped my first pair of shorts and i still wear them um and every time i squat i can hear them rip just a little bit more and eventually it's it's going to turn itself into a kilt basically that's that's very unfortunate <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pff, whatever it, it comes with the territory of being a heavyweight fair enough fair play so what weight class did you compete in when you were competing? And when was your first competition for Highland Games? Um, so I was a lightweight. So CrossFit or CrossFit Highland Games is uh, it's one or the other over or under 200. Um, looking at the pros, most of your pros are like, I believe most of them are 275 or heavier, but the line for lightweight is under 200. And that's where I've always been. Um, the heaviest I've ever thrown at is 190 pounds. And let's see my first game trying to, bring it back because it's goofy because I didn't compete for over a year between COVID and my amputation. I'm going to say it's about two and a half years ago. It was about okay. first game, uh, right, right in the middle of Illinois. And you're a, and you're a world record holder. Uh, yeah. So I've, uh, I own three record right now. I currently hold three world records, uh, for adaptive highlight games. Okay. And what events? Um, so, um, the light hammer, the, uh, weight over bar, and the sheep toss. So the two, two of those are the height. There are two height events. I have the world record in both of them now. And then the light hammer is the Scottish variation of what eventually led to the wire hammer. 
Um, it's one of three events where we throw a light version and a, and a heavy version. I've got the world record in the light hammer right now. And that's where you see the guys like stick the shoes with the stakes into the ground. Yep. 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 I use uh, yeah, I've got a blade sticking out of one of my boots um, that I, I, I dig that in and that gives me leverage to kind of really counter that weight. Um, Cause that's a, it's a real tricky event. It looks like it. It's one of those things where I like, it's that, that scares me. Yeah. You, yeah. You can't, um, you, you can't halfway do it. You can't, you can't halfway throw the hammer. Um, you, you, you can kind of, you can half ass on a stone, but the hammer, no, nope, absolutely not. No, it's gotta be, you, you gotta go. It's, it's also a very technique based sport. I would imagine that on most of it, once your body's in position, you have to commit or just straight nailed up it. almost nailed get it. demolished. Yes. Yes. You, yes. You uh, nailed it a hundred percent. The, the, the weight will throw you. Like in every, pretty much all, all, all the heavy events, the, the heavyweight for distance, heavy hammer, the light hammer. Yeah. The, they will, uh, they'll throw you around. If you don't, if, if you, if you don't stay in front of them, the, they'll throw you around. It's not a comfortable feeling. So when you're doing weight over bar, this is one of the things that I've always wondered because uh, for strongman you can use both hands for throwing bags for the weight over bar. You have to use one hand, correct? Yeah, it's 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 a typically a ring, a, a just a circle shaped handle. Think like a handle on the Denny Stones. Yeah, it's a it's a handle like that. There's there is no getting a second hand on it. Oh, okay, okay. So um, the Denny Stones, I know. So again, I'm gonna compete. I'm gonna keep alluding to strongman because that's like where that's my forte. Do think, yeah, so do you think, man? In strongman, we have the Husafel Stone, and and you, know, yeah. you replicate that everywhere. So, do you guys do something similar with the Denny Stones? Since that's like your legendary lift. Um, so it's it's not really technically the Denny Stones isn't a part of the Highland Games. It's just both Scott. They're both Scottish. Okay. Um, but yes, at like the, or you see a lot of games that'll have some like their version. Of, they'll have some sort of odd object or uh, hell. I I did one uh in st louis where they called them the schlafly stones which is a local uh brewery and they put denny rings handle basically in a couple of marble slabs that had schlafly engraved in it and did like a carry it was like 250 300 pounds per oh, and it was like a ma max distance carry that's insane i i can't imagine the 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 um circular rings must be a lot harder to hold on to than regular farmer's handles um pros and cons i'm sure because it's not as big around so i can get a pretty deep hook grip in there oh, okay like i can get a hook grip over my middle two knuckles um oh, because of okay. how skinny that is and that's a like as long as you're comfortable feeling like your thumb's gonna get ripped off it's all <laughs> it's all good <laughs> that's one of those things i don't think that i've ever felt comfortable doing like i like when i was thinking oh. like well maybe i want to do powerlifting. i'll learn the hook grip and i i hooked my thumb around a barbell and i was like Nope. That's, that's not, for I, me. this it's not, not my jam. No, I'm, I'm captain hook all day. That's all, all my, all, all my best, all my best pulls, all my best deadlifts, uh, hook grip, uh, Olympic lifts. You have to hook grip. Oh yeah. So that's another confusing thing. So, okay. Really quick. Cause you said that you competed in Olympic lifting at the Arnold first. Let me finish up the, uh, the first question real quick. Uh, or the last question for the, the Highland games. Uh, topic um do, do the events generally stay the same or are there enough yes. events it's, where it's, 
it's always the same. So it's a, the traditional, well, there's eight traditional events. Um, and we, so you typically, unless weather or space doesn't allow you to, um, you would always throw all nine. So like there are some fields you throw out, they're just too small. So they, so you won't throw the light hammer because of how far people can throw that stuff like that. Um, the other thing about Highland games is it is very unregulated. Um, like there, there is no like one governing body. Um, so everybody's it's traditional seems to be different. Okay. Yeah. So that's, always, so that's always a fun piece of the puzzle, but sometimes you'll see people be like, Hey, we're going to throw these three events and then the, we're going to do these two strongman events and they call them Highlanders. Um, I know that there are some out there near you. If you want to just kind of dip your toe in the waters, if you're curious about throwing, um, look up, look for some Highlanders. Uh, Carrie Overfelt is, uh, is your guy there. Hold I on. Believe. I, have a, I have a pen somewhere just a second. Cause I'm going to write that down. Cause that is actually something that I have been interested in. You said Carrie Overfelt. Yes. He's, uh, in, Kentucky. He, he, he's in Kentucky. Um, but he's a guy that throw, he's a guy that puts together some of the games and I believe he does one or two Highlanders as well. Uh, is that Carrie with a C or a K? K E R R Y. I believe his gym is called dark side athletics. Cause he's a, he also does a really good job with uh, coaching like kids for like sports prep stuff. That is definitely something, even, even if it's just to like BS with him and find out more about the sport, like I'd love to do that. It's such, it's mm -hmm. such an interesting sport to me. Oh, he, um, he's a legend. In the, he's a legend in the sport of Highland games, but coaching and organizing is his thing down. Is that is always a good thing to see is when someone gets out of the sport, they try to progress it farther. Yes. He, yes. He's absolutely one of those guys. Um, is it one of the sports you'd like to see more regulated? I don't know, man. Like it's one of those ones, like put it this way. If they, if they're truly like, Hey, the most important thing here is that we make this, we get on the level of strongman or we get on the level of powerlifting or we get to CrossFit level, like, interest like if that's the most important thing then yes you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get some standardization across but i think that's kind of also what makes highland games highland games is that it is a little bit different and each field's got different stones you know so some stones are easier to throw like the shot put than others and you know there's certain you know just all these all the little quirks get eliminated and i think at that point i think that's kind of the that's kind of what it is i mean I mean, all, you know, everybody's got, you know, traditions and all that sort of stuff, but they're all a little bit different. You know, we have tons of people celebrate Christmas, but we celebrate Christmas a little different. And it doesn't, well, it's not, shouldn't ruin Christmas. I, I was about saying it doesn't ruin Christmas, but apparently for some people, <laughs> if you enjoy Christmas the wrong way, yes, it is. It may bother you. But, 100%. Yeah. That's, um, but um, I, I choose not to give that any energy. Like if that's how somebody wants to direct their energy, that's their, I, I'm not going to be a part of it. Um, I 100% agree with you there. Um, do you think that the general vibe or not vibe? That's I, I hate kind of hate that word. Do you think no that? Do you think the general um, opinion of the majority of the athletes are more towards a, a stronger governing body for regulation, or do they kind of enjoy the, the as long quirks? as it's, as as long as it's their guys setting the rules. <laughs> <laughs> so that's where the politics kind of takes play um i mean politics is i would say a little bit of a strong word but like i said like 
like in, on the East Coast, they do things a little different. They do there's well, there are differences in the games, and they throw a different weight uh, for the sheaf toss. They actually, I believe, they typically throw the twenty, whereas in the Midwest and East and and I'm sorry, West Coast, they typically will throw like a twenty, and but in the Midwest, you'll see everybody throw a sixteen on the sheaf, and like they keep those records separate. But I, like I said, I I think it's what I, it's one of those things that I think people like they like the idea of it being bigger because they think that if they do the same thing, they'll get more of a reward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, nothing ever actually works like that. You you know, the bigger you want to get, the more the little bit more you got to sell out. Because oh, you have man. to make it, you have to make it appeal more to a broader audience. That's one of the things that frustrates me so bad about what's going on with Strongman right now. Because, um, like, I'm I'm kind of a mainstreamer, you know. I got into it because Eddie Hall, his documentary. And I was yeah. like, well, fuck, that looks really fun. Like my, I, I um, figured as much. I should do that. <laughs> and um, now Eddie Hall and Thor just had a boxing match. And there's two guys that could have remained legends in the sport and helped to progress to another level. And they sold out and, you know, did an exhibition match like Jake Paul mm-hmm. or, you know, whoever, yep. whatever Paul brothers doing that bullshit. So it with, I agree with, with getting bigger becomes like, it gets more um, sellout ish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you, said, you get a little bit more glitz and glam in the situation. Exactly. You have to attract attention. You have to hold attention. Um, and then, then there becomes cost to supplying that. So now it becomes a necessity that you continue to hold their attention. You can't afford them to lull, you know, and little things like that. And like I said, that changes the complex that can change that changes the complexion of anything. Um, and, you know, like I said, it's just a matter of finding the balance and, um, and of what, of what actually is good for the sport itself. Cause I mean, at a certain point, it like CrossFit can go too far in that, in that um, pursuit. Absolutely. Like to get to a point where it's like, it doesn't mean anything anymore because it's all completely bought and paid for. Yeah. It, that's sort of the direction that bodybuilding went to where like it really, I, th- I feel like bodybuilding reached its true height with like, I mean, obviously there was lulls, but you had like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger obviously brought it to the main uh, mainstream oh, yeah. eye. And then you had people like Jay Cutler who were kind of in there, but then you really focus on like Ronnie Coleman and then Phil Heath. And then ever since Phil Heath got into the game and Kai Green was kind of like, well, I'm not going to compete in Mr. Olympia anymore. I'm going to be this, this personality right here. Everyone's sort of realizing the favoritism and, and the bond paid for aspect of, of bodybuilding. Mm-hmm. To the extreme, well, I mean, and, and and that a lot yeah, of athletes and, live in their car and go pro. Yeah, it's like well, like in a sport like that. On top of that, is why I would I would think that I would never participate. Is that you already have a thing that is completely subjective. There's nothing at, at least <laughs> yeah. at, at least in like most of the other stuff, like you know, with like the other like strength sports. You know, it, there's an objective measure. I mean, you can literally be the best looking person with the worst spray tan and lose. Like, yeah. like, like it's very subjective. And, and, and that is, I would say it's, I'm not saying like, oh, well, what do you expect? But like, you got to understand that something like that becomes a very target rich environment for somebody looking to be political and manipulate and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. You know? And, and just the, uh, also so the, the sheer, um, 
and not to get on a soapbox or anything, but like when it comes to bodybuilding, um, the sheer denial of use of steroids and performance enhancing drugs is very damaging. It's very confusing. Yeah. Right. Because like even in strongman, of course. Yeah. It it came like it came out that Thor was using steroids and you're like, of course the six foot 10, 400 plus pound freak is using steroids. (laughs) Like you look at Ronnie Coleman and you're like, do you really think that you can get that size without steroids? It's like, are you silly? Like, like, yeah. Did you think he was the one that wasn't, but somehow was still the biggest? Like, yeah, it's, it's insane to me. If there's one sport where you should like strongman Highland games, CrossFit, like sure. Yeah. Like let's get subjective here and sure. Maybe that guy's not on steroids, whatever, but in bodybuilding if you're there's a reason that they're in the it's a completely different it's a completely different look oh yeah for sure like that is your when you get to that level i should yeah. say and that level of commitment and like i said and also on top of that i don't think it diminishes shit like oh bodybuilding, no. like in, in the end bodybuilding is a test of really discipline like discipline on diet discipline on training like like it's that's what that to me, bodybuilding, if you're going to call it a sport, it is a sport of discipline because nothing, there's no action that's objective, you know, so it's where, you know, I think it's hard to call it a sport, but it's, it's, you know, it's very difficult. Um, like, but yeah, I mean, I, cause I mean, I couldn't imagine like being that disciplined, that dialed in and now I have to go and compete for an opinion. Yeah, man. And, and like, I, I think it's crazy. I'm like, man, you have all that discipline. I would love to see you actually use it somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, and that's the but, insane you know, part. Whatever, whatever's for you is what's for you. Well, you know, Lou for not Lou for no, um, Franco Colombo did compete in like the seventies world's strongest yeah, man. That is true. Yeah. That, there's been a few crossovers, but that was a little bit longer time ago. Yeah. That that's, and that's where like strongman was sort of uh, on par with like Highland games were like, who the hell is going to run with a fridge on their back? I mean, that was the whole point of world's strongest man though, was the TV show. Like it was, yeah. like it was originally conceived as, Hey, let's make a TV show. And then it, the really, it, it spawned and really created the sport a lot, much closer to what, as we know it, but yeah, yeah. that's all that was. They were just trying to make a spectacle. Like I said, yeah. trying to grab attention and hold attention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, it, and it's crazy how it failed because no one was actually making living off of strongman at that time. Oh no. Oh no. I mean, and that's just, that's, that's what sucks for whoever comes first that you are going to plant a tree that somebody else is going to get very comfortable underneath. And that's and you're where probably the not, passion comes in and you're not going to be that person, unfortunately. Yeah. But and as, like, and if you're, you're an early adopter, you just kind of have to accept that and not, you can't, otherwise you're going to get jaded and upset that you're not getting things. And when it's time to grow, you're going to try to keep people out because you think you deserve it. You just got to understand that. Yeah. If you're early, like that's, that's the way. Yeah. Like, that's the name of the game. As far as bodybuilding goes, I've read posts where like guys have talked about being so low percent body fat that their feet, like they can't walk around barefoot because their feet hurt when they walk. Mm-hmm. Oh like, yeah, the joints are I, trashed. I can't. I, yeah, man, I can't imagine. That's insane. But anyway, that's like the last thing I have to say about that because bodybuilding is is completely alien to me. Yeah, like, that's where I feel. It's like honestly, how do I feel about bodybuilding? And like truly, like deciding I want to compete. And, 
confused because I don't understand the perspective. But like, <laughs> yeah, and but also like, the, I don't the almost deny how difficult it is. Oh yeah, like almost the insurmountable odds of ever really going anywhere in, the, in such an overpopulated sport. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But so, um, so you're Olympic lifting and competing at the Arnold. Yeah. How how did that go? Like, I would imagine if you got into CrossFit, you probably did Olympic lifting first, correct? Uh, I was introduced to the Olympic lifts through CrossFit. Oh, okay. I mean, honestly, I was introduced to every strength sport through CrossFit. That's how I, that's how I came to learn about strongman. That's how I learned about this. You know, truly learned about powerlifting. That's how all of that came into my life. Is CrossFit, like many, is the ultimate gateway to the strength sports. Like it, it's the ultimate gateway drug because you get to test, you get to touch a little bit all of it and get a feel for how good you or for how strong or how good you can be. Um, so yeah, that's how I got introduced to the Olympic lifts was through CrossFit first. And then, um, as my nerve condition became worse, I couldn't really do CrossFit anymore because I couldn't deal with the, all the impact and all that. And Olympic lifting was, I could plant my feet and go. So it, it was less impact. So I actually, so that's how I started training Olympic lifting as a discipline versus as a piece of CrossFit. Okay. So then Olympic lifting also confuses me because um, I, I don't see that advertised um, really anywhere. So when it comes to competing, like I don't even really necessarily know how, how I want, I'm trying to ask this question. What, what are this, what are the steps for um, Olympic lifting? Like you find a, like a local competition and then it kind of moves up from there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not any different than powerlifting, except there's really only one federation. Um, imagine if powerlifting was all the way condensed yeah, I and, can't imagine and, that. And, and all the best and all the best lifters lifted against the guilt against each other. Um, all the time. All the, uh, where else are they going to go? That's insane, uh, man. Like I said, like I said, so and it's a, and it's like that because it's an Olympic sport. Um, so yeah, so that, that's pretty much how, like most people will, if you want to do Olympic lifting, look for an Olympic lifting club, like I said, and if you don't have that, most CrossFit gyms are going to have somebody that's pretty good, you know, it's at least pretty good and plenty good enough to get you started. Um, and they'll be able to, they're probably going to be connected into where the comp, where the weightlifting meets are going to be at. Like I said, at this point, a large percentage are just done at CrossFit gyms because they've got the space and desire to hold them. Right. Um, so the... I think most people in strength sports are more familiar with powerlifting. So it's easier to wrap your head around a a decent total when you're looking at the three lifts, when it comes to, um, and I I may butcher this, so obviously correct me, but the, 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 the clean and press and the snatch, correct. Is the two lifts. Um, So you do the snatch first and then you do a clean and jerk. It used to be the clean clean and and press years ago. And then as okay. more and more people tried to game the rules on it, it became just a, it became a jerk. Okay. What's the difference between a press and a jerk? So a press would be like, you clean it, you would stand up and then it's a strict press, no legs, no leg drive allowed. Oh, a jerk allows you to use your legs to launch the bar and then get underneath, lock out, stabilize and stand up. Okay. So, so, so there's a huge difference in potential in terms of how much weight you can do. So it's, it's the, it's the push press and yes. Okay. Um, and I don't know where I heard this. I heard it somewhere, but as far as the clean and press, 
a lot of guys, that's almost where powerlifting got the idea to put bench press into their total was a lot of guys were leaning back and mm-hmm. basically bench pressing by stabilizing their core. Yeah. So I'm not familiar with that crossover or connection, but I definitely see the, I could, I could see the connection for sure. Cause that is, that's what happened. That That's where the press um, went away. Okay. There's a, and there's another sport. I've seen Alan Thrall compete in it. I don't know if you've watched him on YouTube at all. Um, Vaguely familiar. Yeah. So instead of powerlifting, it was American strength or something like that, where the total was a strict press, uh, a squat and a deadlift. Um, I've never, I'm not familiar with that. It's, it's a, it's very, it's very niche. And I imagine guys who are bad at bench pressing probably compete in it. Um, But uh, limit the damage that happens on that overhead. Oh man. Yeah. And he, and he did strict press 225 at like a, a fairly low body weight. So like, that's impressive, but mm-hmm. um, it, okay. So I, I didn't, I did not know that they, uh, I, I, I forgot that they used to allow the, the regular clean and press. Um, so what year was it that you uh, went to the Arnold for Olympic lifting? believe this was early i think it was 2017 yeah i think it was 2017 or maybe 2016 it was it was 16 or 17 okay um and is that is that the only sport you've gone to the arnold with um no i actually i threw highland games uh this year um, you did. at the at the arnold yes i i set two world records at the arnold this year oh, actually man. I, I actually i almost i technically well i threw a third but we uh you weigh the implements and by uh one of the implements that i threw the record with weighed light so it doesn't count uh that sucks <laughs> uh, it's not that big a deal i wasn't expecting that to happen uh that wasn't a record that i came in expecting to to mess with so um yeah so we threw four events i set the work i set the record in two of them uh this but- year at the arnold that sucks, man. I was at the Arnold this year. Um, obviously just, I was watching, but, um, I went and watched the Highland games for a little bit and, uh, okay. I, man, maybe you, you competed in a separate, uh, adaptive adapted yeah. division. Okay. Correct. Uh, I, that's why, that's why I didn't see you. I don't think I caught that. Uh, yeah, we were kind of sandwiched in a few different times trying to get opportunities for people to watch. Okay. Yeah. Um, man, that's, that's, Awesome. So, um, what's that experience like when it comes to like, okay, you're going to go to the Arnold and compete at like the Arnold is now kind of seen for almost all strength sports Mm -hmm. as like, that's the top level. Yeah, no, I mean, for, yeah, it's, I don't know. I was just super, I was just real fortunate when I got the message asking me to throw, um, no, it, it was cool. Like it was, it was awesome. Like to just, I don't know. I've never had the opportunity to be in front to perform in, in a situation like that. I was, it was one, it was awesome because I hit it. You know, I, I hit the big, I hit the two big throws that I was expecting to hit. Um, and they were like the, the hikes are the most fun, fun ones to watch for most people because it's really easy to understand. It either went over the bar or it didn't. Right. Um, yeah. So it, no, it was an absolute blast. Cause like I said, I, um, like I said, I mean, it was just unique. It was, I don't really have anything to compare it to or, to get, you know, I hope it's not the last time uh, I get to do something like that. Cause yeah, it, 
like, I don't know. I, I did a good job at not really focusing on it. I didn't really, it didn't give it any weight. I didn't give it any weight. Um, but after the throw went over, it was pretty nuts to, to hear, hear the crowd actually get loud. Um, yeah, there was actually quite a few people when I went, I was, I was a little surprised. Like it's sort of, cause I didn't even know what was going on. I didn't know where it was going on. Me and my wife were just kind of walking around and I saw Howling Games. I was like, look, this is going on right now. We have to sit down and watch. And it was actually like, we had to go pretty high up to find a seat. Like, was it on Saturday? I was there all, I was there Friday and Saturday. I would think it was probably Saturdays because that's whenever I threw the heights and that's when they had, the, we had the biggest crowd. Uh, okay. I, I, I yeah. did go there Friday and Saturday, Friday. I caught the women and then Saturday um, I caught the men and I, I'm not sure which, which weight class it was. I would imagine the above 200. Yeah. I believe it was probably masters. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So you were actually just a little early for us, man. That sucks. Well, that's, oh, that's awesome. And congratulations. First thank of all, you. Um, so aside from coaching and being a world record holder in the Highland games and, uh, and, and CrossFit and everything else that you seem to be extremely awesome at, um, what else do you do? Um, well, I just got a, my first running leg this week. So I, uh, I'm learning, I started learning to run this week, uh, on a prosthetic. So that's pretty fun. Um, there's a different walking leg and running leg. Oh yeah. Yeah. To get the sort of spring versus like, yeah, there's, yeah, there's, I actually, I've got a few different legs. Um, but yeah, so I just got my first one that I can actually run and it gives you like the energy return that you need to actually get the spring and the balance that you would typically get. Um, that's not the same thing you want when you're just regularly walking around. Like, okay. So a joint like articulation walk, sort of thing. Sort of like put it this way. Walking shoes are not that great for running and running shoes are not that great for walking. Okay. They, 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 while on the surface, they look very, very similar. They're not the same need. Um, so that, that kind of would be my, that's the best analogy that I can pull off the top of my head. Um, so yeah, so I just got that. Um, I'm trying to think, man, I'm just kind of, I'm kind of saying yes to everything. Now that I'm, what's, what's fun is as I'm, as I'm doing stuff, more people are offering to be like, Hey, you want to go do this? You want to go do that? I play sled hockey. Um, I've got a, I've got an ice skating prosthetic that's about to be up and up and running again. So I'm going to get back to stand up ice skating where I plan to play some stand up hockey. Um, I've gotten on a skateboard. I plan to get back on there. I'm just saying yes, that man, like I, I just like, I lost my entire twenties to my chronic pain. Um, I came to a point where I decided that the amputation had to happen. And I was like, and when it happens, if it happens, I'm going to make every day count because at this point you're on borrowed time and you better use it. So yeah, man, it's just been saying, yeah, it's been saying yes, working hard. And I don't know, man, like it, it, it's been awesome. I'm super grateful to be where I'm at. So a um, little bit of a personal question on like your, on sort of your outlook when it comes to other people, um, since your amputation, do you get a little bit frustrated ever seeing anybody make excuses knowing everything that you can do um, with a prosthetic? Like, do you ever see when someone's like, Oh man, well, I just don't have time for that. I, don't, I, I can't do that. D- does it ever frustrate you? Um, not any more than it used to. I, I don't make my amputation someone else's problem. Um, right. I, I think I, I personally, I think it's kind of bullshit for me to be like, Oh, I do this. Yada, yada. I was like, 
you know, everybody's coming from a different, you know, a different place, you know, I, so it's like, I, I would, if I get frustrated, it's that has nothing to do with really the amputation. It's more like, man, you're, you're like, for lack of a better word, like, I just know that they're full of shit or they're, they're not being honest about what they're, they're not, they're not, they don't mean what they say. And right. like that stuff, because that, like that side of it's the start that bothers me. I, I don't let the comparison side or the, even though like, yeah, there are times when I'm like, I am 100% certain you're just fine. Or I'm 100% certain that you could do much more. Um, but it's kind of one of those, what you eat doesn't make me shit sort of thing. So <laughs> right, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm taking care of what I can control. Uh, that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. I, I and honestly, it's, it, it's admirable that you don't, um, you don't use your amputation as sort of like bolstering, like, look at what I can do sort of like a one upper type of thing, because that would honestly be a very shitty thing to do. Um, even though it wasn't necessarily in the end, it was your choice, but it really wasn't your choice. Um, yeah, oh, no, no, no. There was no choice to make. It was easy. I, I did not struggle with the decision. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, it I guess I'm, I'm asking because I find myself where like, someone's like, Oh, I could, I could never do like, like, an atlas stone like i, I love mm-hmm. i love lifting atlas stones like Man, i show everyone that's everyone's favorite oh yeah it's not not necessarily every <laughs> i've met a few guys that really hate it but for some reason it's one of those yeah, things short arms i yeah <laughs> <laughs> i i love i love feeling the tacky or almost rip my skin off um mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh you know i i'll show people a video because that's what i get most proud of and they're like oh I, that's crazy i can never do that i'm like yes you could because like what's the difference yeah like my my (laughs) wife said the same thing and i was like no you can do this because like my wife um we finally got her short stockiness sort of explained uh she's like 50 something percent scottish and um so um i told her like i'm like look you're built for strength sports i can't explain it but you look like you'd be crazy at it your 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 levers are advantageous (laughs) exactly and um she was like oh no i can't do that and i was like look i have 150 pound atlas stone pick that up and she couldn't at first and uh and then i was like look throw some tacky on your on your hands and she did and she got it up and i was like i i told you and it's just one of those things where like people really count themselves out of situations where it's like look if you really wanted to do it you could you just have to find your reason correct like you know it's 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 choice uh it it all comes down to choice like you choose to you know you choose to use your time to do this to do x y and z and that shit accumulates um when i i tell people something like yeah everything matters because all these little things, like the aging process, it's not just, it's not time turning. It's the accumulation of all of what you do and what, what you say and what you watch and what you eat. And like, think of how many different decisions you make in the day between clothes to wear, what to eat, when to eat, when to go to sleep. Am I going to drink water? Right. Like all these things. And they all accumulate over years and years and years and years. So it's, so everything does matter now. It doesn't mean that everything, it doesn't mean one decision off track is life or death. Like you gotta, like, you can't have any expectation of being perfect. Um, but when you put in, put intention in there like that and you, you, you take that to heart and you're like, no, this does matter. It becomes easier to work whenever things are hard. Cause you're like, no, I know that this is going to accumulate. And I know that this is going to turn into something down the road. And that thing is worth. 
right and like and just finally getting to that point that it's not you know and that's how you find like you know everybody you know likes to default to the what's your why and that's how you actually find the answer to that question versus like the answer you want to give you know yeah it's 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 that delayed gratification thing that a lot of people are very unfamiliar with um where everything is sort of right within grasp and the only thing that we sort of have nowadays that is a delayed gratification work for it best sort of feeling is our own bodies like go to sleep at the right time and you'll find the the best effects for it eat the right food do the right exercises and um it's it 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 does suck to see some people that you could tell would be good at something sort of default to like well yeah i can't do all that yeah it's like i don't care if you do something like do something to challenge yourself at some point in your life you know for some people that's puzzles and sudoku and or whatever and for for us you know for us it involves some iron and you know but like yeah everybody should needs to do something with their body like it's you know, me and my wife have talked, like, it's not going to be important. Like, we, we've agreed, like, it has to be important that not that the kid does this thing. The kid doesn't have to do CrossFit, doesn't have to power, doesn't have to play this sport, that sport. But they do need to do something. Plain and simple. Yeah. And when you get used to telling yourself, I can't do that, you stop doing things. Because you're going to accumulate that decision of I can't so many times. And then you're going to see this imaginary hole that is your, your one decision away from breaking that slump. You know, you're, you're one, you're one good, you're one meal away from being back on track or your diet always. Yes. No matter what. And, and I like what you said about the, the kid doesn't have to do CrossFit or Highland games or what, you know, whatever, because um, that's one of the things that people ask, ask me, they're like, well, are you, are you going to push? Cause I, I have two sons and they're like, are you, are you going to push your kids into, into lifting weights? I'm like, no, like I want, I just want them to do something that they love. Like my, my five-year-old, he's doing karate right now. And he just got, um, black belt elite where like, he's like, he's a, he's a student leader and he goes to special weapons classes because he's so well-behaved and so good at his techniques in class. And I'm like, if he stuck with karate for the rest of his life, I would 100% support that. And that's a far cry from any sort of strength sport. Yeah. Cause he's getting what you're getting. Yeah. Like I think individual like sport just a is so important. Where like you see, you see the the work for what you are putting into something, versus something like and and you know nothing against team sports like football. Like football is really cool, but like when you put your own work into something, <laughs> um, when you put your own work into something, you see what you can get as a result of of your hard work, and that's it one of the most invaluable things you can have as a human being. And, and one of the things that like you mentioned skating earlier. So you, you skated as a kid, nope. right? Oh, you did not. Bro, okay. Oh, not on ice. So, oh no. I mean like skateboarding. Oh no, no. My oh, was okay. a huge. That was a huge no in my house. Oh <laughs> man. So, so I, I skateboarded as a kid and I was like, like most kids, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a pro skater one day. Tony and Hawk, I did, baby. I did not understand the value of hard work. And that was um, like in the end, my downfall uh, as a skater, because I didn't, I didn't understand like you, like Chad Muska, Tony Hawk, Bam Margera, they didn't just get good. They put countless hours into, into whatever. Your first exposure to them was just kicking ass. 
oh yeah so i was like well they must have just been born good at it so i got to be born good at it and that's not the case at all no it's it, it, it's what's it, what's it? it takes 10 years to be an overnight success <laughs> one of my favorite right. quotes of all time it takes 10 years to be an overnight success right and and that's i and and once once i did find out the value of, of hard work and you know for for me it was ultimately you know fitness um i started to appreciate more that you don't just wake up and be great at something like you you, you do have to put in your ten thousand hours oh yeah like yeah that and guess what half of those days are going to be below average that's yes. how the average that's how average comes to be half yeah. of your days are below average yeah you're going to walk you, away a lot of days not feeling great about what you did correct because you're going to have to put in a lot of days yeah <laughs> and uh it's just you got to trust that the good days are worth it and that the bad days build the good days and and, and it's in some sense like that's just that's just a part of the game of everything yeah you know, i remember and- like I remember being like a kid and like looking at, you know, seeing these people like they're starting their company and they're like 40 and they're like, or late thirties, you know, I'm thinking like, man, I wonder why they waited so long to do that. And, you know, cause you're at the perspective of I've been on earth for 12 years, 15 years. <laughs> That's a long time. I'm 32 now. And now I'm really like, Oh, cause it takes a long fucking time to do something like that. It takes a long time to accumulate that experience and accumulate this and that. And there's just no outsourcing time. And it's the only real thing we've got. Man, if, if I could add hours to my day, Jesus Christ, man, like what in your, what physical thing in your life would you sell for more time, man? What wouldn't you, what wouldn't you sell? Okay. For not sleep. That's the one thing I won't sell is sleep. (laughs) Well, that's not a physical thing. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's shit. I don't even know. I that, that is the age old question is what would you, what would you not do for more time? And it's not something I understood until I became a parent and a, and a, and a real adult. And, and you had none of your own? <laughs> oh, my gosh, man. It's every time I turn around, Dad, I need this, Dad, this. And I'm like, hey. Like, we were in Lowe's today um, looking for an attachment for the weed eater. And my son was like, Dad, you got to be really quiet in the library because people might be reading. I said, yo, what if we acted like every place was a library? Wouldn't that be crazy? <laughs> because the questions never end <laughs> i mean just wild off the wall shit right there man like just did you know <laughs> oh yeah my, my two-year-old i'm going through my second why stage right now my my five-year-old oh boy. is still a little bit in it but then my two-year-old all the time i'm like he's like daddy go outside i'm like well we can't go outside why what's raining why i'm like well that's a lot that i'd have to get into that you're not really ready to understand yet <laughs> and then, oh, man. eventually i just got to get i get, it gets to the point where i'm like hey that's enough questions knock it off yeah um, why, why are you asking <laughs> why are you asking uh, yeah you got to start do, doing the back and forth why with him. <laughs> yep if you if, if i'm gonna give you reasoning you got to give me a reasoning on why you need it <laughs> exactly. let's let's learn let's learn about life real quick kid <laughs> Oh, man. Um, so I, uh, I see your guitar in the background. Do you play? Uh, so I, unfortunately I do not. Um, I, I made a stab at it at one point and never quite picked it back up. Um, it is, this just happens to be the, uh, our office slash catch it room. If you look over here, we've got, a, there's a Highland game sport back there. 
right. some hockey, some hockey equipment. Uh, there's some bikes on the wall. Solid. <laughs> it's, it, it, it's not the worst room. Yeah. Oh, for sure. My, my garage is I, I, a disaster right now. We just, uh, we just got new counters put in. So I've got like old sink and pipe and filters everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I, one thing I've adopted when it, cause I just started playing bass guitar myself. Um, I, I say playing very loosely. Um, you, you hold it and make noise. Yeah. I make noise. Sometimes I look up some tabs. I don't know how to read music and I like to pretend <laughs> like I'm DD Ramon. Is um, <laughs> uh, I, I told my wife, I was like, Liam, what if I, what if I get this and I, and I just really suck at it forever. And she was like, you don't have to be good at your hobby. And I'm like, you know what? You're you right. Have to enjoy your, it's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. I enjoyed working on it. It just came, became a time. And then I just bandwidth didn't have the focus for it. This is all pre-amputation where all this, you know, we're trying to get all this stuff figured out. Um, maybe I picked a bad time to try to pick it up, but that's right. why I haven't gotten rid That's why I haven't gotten rid of it. So, uh, and, and obviously this is a, 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 not so much a hobby for you, but obviously you picked up the guitar for some reason. Uh, was there like a piece of music or and a certain artist that made you pick up the guitar? No, I wish that was the case though. I wish I was inspired by, by music like that, but it's actually my lack of inspiration is why I did choose to pick it up and give it a try because I've actually always been terrible with music. Um, yeah, in fourth grade, I was so bad at singing that my music teacher pulled us, pulled me aside while getting prepared for a Christmas program. And I, like, hands on my shoulders, and she goes, you will not sing in my Christmas program. And then teaches me how to lip sync. Like, dead serious. Like, this is a true story. Like, I will never get the image of this out of my head of, you will not sing in my crypt. Like, I, I just always, and it never really bothered me, but like at the same time, I always kind of wondered like, man, why do people have head, head, headphones and listen to music all day? What are they listening to? Like, like, why would you do that? I was actually always had like the biggest disconnect there. So I wanted, so I was like, well, this seems like a way to kind of make my brain work a different way that clearly it's never, never clicked in the past. So any amount, like it won't be hard to find progress here. Um, so that was kind of that. It was me trying to dive into something like, you know what? You had a bunch of teachers tell you you were fucking terrible at this and you never gave it a real effort because they told you how, they just told you you were terrible. Put some effort in. Let's just see what happens. Like, <laughs> no, like no expectations, but like, what's, what's the worst that happens? I kind of pick up a new skill that was completely foreign to me and it opens up a different understanding. Cool. Like I've enjoyed music way more since I started, since I, since I uh, played it, to be honest. So firstly, that's a terrible thing to tell a fourth grader. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, I didn't care because I didn't want to sing either. Like there was a part of me was like, fuck yeah. Tell her, tell my parents I don't have to go now. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you still had to go and lip sync. I had to go because if I had told my mom that the teacher said that she'd have, she'd have lost it. And she'd have been up at the office. And now I, now not only do I a, have to go B, I also have to sing now, right now, at least I don't have to sing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Fuck. So, um, so after playing guitar, who, who do you find yourself listening to most? Um, so still, still pretty true to my hip hop roots. Um, like high school, I was pure hip hop. Um, that was, that was my jam, but I've, I've gone back and listened to, you know, I've I've got a little, you know, I'll get an energy sometimes for pop punk and whatever, you know, whatever that is. And, um, 
I, I go on a Sturgill Simpson run where I'll just listen to him for days. Um, honestly, like, you know, I just kind of that. And then my other one is just like, Hey, let's just find something, something that sounds different. Um, I, I coach and I coach all day. So coaching in a gym, there's always music playing. So right. there's like, it's like, if I never listen to eighties rock again, like I'd be good. Like, I don't need to hear Thunderstruck anymore. Oh um, my God, bro. But like, and it's not even a knock on, it's not even a knock on the genre or a comment on like the quality of the music. Clearly it's made quite the impact. And what more could you want out of music? That being said, I just don't need to listen to it anymore. So sometimes I just try to find something different. Yeah. So that's one of the things that kind of like took me out of music when I was younger. I didn't really, I, I was kind of the same as you. I didn't really care about music until about like, man, probably like, four or five years ago and since then I've, I've developed a very um almost one could describe it as pretentious view on music um but the the 80s bands that everybody is supposed to like i i absolutely cannot stand anymore it has nothing to do with the music it has everything to do with the fans the fans yeah. and the fact that it's so overplayed i'm like look well, i don't care about acdc like i've heard it like I am totally like, I don't need to hear it again. Like <laughs> it's, it's um, I, I want to hear the bands that those guys were inspired by because yeah. like, that's probably who makes the better music. And that's like the roots. Yeah. It's sort of like the Beatles are definitely okay, but I don't really care about them because everybody liked them. So obviously they kind of <laughs> took a culmination of music mm and melded it together to make the perfect pop music at the time so so you're like you know what i will use this as a springboard to check out the recipe exactly and that's how i got into like the velvet underground and uh pixies and and the ramones i got into through like school of rock you know yeah i was getting ready to say that i feel like i was trying to think i was like what reference was the was did i not find the ramones very underground like this and I was like, that's what it was yeah yeah like the ramones are probably the most popular isn't it like band? a cool thing that like somebody like an actor could like do for something like that for another art to make to use them as the reference and, and something that they're doing because you just need to make a reference like oh, yeah isn't like that, isn't that like cool how that like can like re revitalize a career or like give a give somebody who made this thing and a different level of appreciation and you know a sec you know I, I always find that to be very cool whenever oh, yeah. people are like this media led me to this media and it was really, and there was really no particular reason that it needed to be that way. Like, yeah, like the, I always think about that. Like that's a fortunate position I, of, a, of an actor. I don't know how I even knew what the Ramones ever looked like, but through School of Rock, which is my all-time favorite movie, which is, I, I feel like, I don't know why it's my favorite movie, but it is my favorite movie of all time. I, I, I first of all, I looked at like the board that, jack black was writing on that movie and i looked up those bands like sex pistols and ramones and motorhead and all that shit and um i was watching i was probably like 18 and i was watching uh new york inc because i was really into tattoos at the time uh, and we, we just watched whatever happened yeah we were all in the, we, you, you were into watching poker at one point too weren't you a little bit because <laughs> yeah, I, right. I wanted to learn how to count cards yeah, exactly. Everybody like somehow I don't know how ESPN pulled that off. They, they all convinced us that we liked watching other people play fucking cards. And it's so boring. 
<laughs> but like at the same time, I understand. I understand how it hooks people in. I just don't understand how they decided that that was the thing they were going to they were going to let us know. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so I was watching New York Inc. And this guy walks into one of the shops and I was like, that's one of the Ramones. And I don't know how I knew that. It was somehow their image had been stapled into my mind, which was Johnny Ramones goal when he created. Go ahead. How old are you? I'm 27. Okay. So yeah, that, and then there's all the t-shirts from high, from all the kids wearing them in high school. Yeah, but the guy wasn't wearing a T-shirt. He, he no, was, I mean, like, why, why you had that image? Like, oh yeah, was, yeah. I, I finally kind of put that together while you were talking right there, and that's why yeah. I asked how old you were. I was like, you know what? Those T-shirts became popular probably because of that movie. But I remember the reason it's so imprinted on me is all the kids that would wear them in uh, high school. Yeah, that the 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 Ramon seal uh, designed by Arturo Vega uh, is one of the most famous punk rock seals, aside from like misfits like the the yeah. crimson uh crimson reaper i think is what it's called uh is on everything and there's an interesting reason behind that because like they all split up royalties so they were like well i'm gonna get royalties from shoes and i'm gonna get royalties from shirts oh and shit it's it, and that's why you Terrible. see misfits on everything and it's it's and they're not even good man they kind of suck like <laughs> misfits aren't man. even that good what an interesting what an interesting cause and effect. Yeah, right. Well, it's, what it's mostly because that's so that's so neat. You know the song "Mother" by Danzig. Yes. Okay, so Glenn Danzig was the lead singer of the Misfits before okay. he was Danzig, and he's just a dickhead. And that's mostly why, like, all of the royalties bullshit came to be, and it's it's a whole big mess and not even worth like. Oh my gosh! It's to me like misfits is like the acdc of the punk rock world i can't i fucking hate the misfits they're not even good <laughs> they're just i can't stress how much they're just not good <laughs> like you could go across the midwest and find 50 other bands you've never even heard of that are better than the misfits you heard it here first <laughs> fuck the misfits it's and, uh, i don't man it see i'm getting up on my uh, up on my soapbox man and uh <laughs> oh yeah i'm just looking up right now (laughs) this this almost always happens when i get on a music topic so i I try to stay away from it (laughs) apologize for being the worst person to ever talk about music (laughs) (laughs) no it's definitely it's okay i don't ever expect anybody to be in the music because like i said like up until like five years ago i wasn't even into music at all and then like i i rekindled my love of the cure and I was like, oh, I guess I'm going to get back into goth rock again. I, I guess we're here. We're, we're here. Let's go. Exactly. And that's how <laughs> that's how I've annoyed my wife for almost seven years. Um, well, I, I, not seven years, but like five years of, uh, you know, uh, baby, you should listen to this band. No, why are you listening to that band? It's, it's, it's ridiculous. I've, I've had to, I've had to shut my mouth a lot. <laughs> yeah, I get it. But I'm, I'm sure that my wife is. My wife, my my investment in hockey and her investment in hockey are very different. <laughs> and uh, she just likes that I like it. <laughs> and, and and don't we all need a woman like that? One that just yes. says, you know what? We, we, all, we, we all need some. We all that's that should be something. That's something that I feel like most people you should have in your partner. Right. That you, that there are things that they like, and that's the that's your favorite thing about it. Absolutely. It's, um. 
Well, hey, man, I um, I really appreciate you coming on. You were a fantastic guest. Oh, thank you. It is. It was extremely interesting to hear um, all the stuff that you've done. I'm 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 extremely impressed, and um, I uh, I hope everything in the future works out well for you. And and I hope your new running leg comes in in great handy. That's that's awesome that you're going to be able to run again. Yeah, I mean, assignment that I want to run is I don't want to not be able to run. Right. Like, yeah. like I just want to have, like, I want to have whatever I want to do one day to be an option. And I know that the basic human function of running is going to aid in me being able to do whatever I want. Absolutely. So that's what I'm here for. Well, uh, man, again, thank you for coming on and, uh, you have a great rest of your night, man. You too. All right, man. Catch you later.